on love hasten the decorations the balloons the floating things and just everything that is happening for the next couple of weeks we are going to be gearing our whole message towards love the title is going to be you've got to love it say it with me got to love it got to love it so we're going to be dealing with the subject of love i realize it is such a vast subject there's no way that i can even begin to explain it or fully present the subject of love in just two weeks. But what we're going to try to do over the next couple of weeks is we are going to try to do our best to hit some of the high points. And in doing so, try to bring back love to its thing of beauty that God intended for it to be. Not the perverted, misinterpreted mess that so often love has become around us today. The dictionary says this of love. The dictionary says that love is a warm and tender, like deep feeling of fondness and friendship. It's a great affection or devotion. I don't know if you realize this, but the Bible actually gives us three different definitions or three different types of love. The first is called Ahab, and I probably killed the pronunciation, but it's up there. Pronounce it as you want to do. But this definition is one that is used in the Old Testament, and it has to do with love to have affection for someone, to like, to be a friend. Actually, they tell us this is the similar version of what we have here in our English language. The second definition of love is phileo. Phil is in there. So that means that Phil's a loving guy. Phileo, right there. And it means to be fond of, to care for, affectionately, to cherish, to take pleasure in, and to have personal attachment for. But then there is the love of all loves. Come on, I said, then there is the love of all loves, which we know as agape love, which is, I love these words, an undefeatable benevolence. Isn't that kind of cool? And it goes on to say an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. Agape love is not self-seeking, but agape love is self-giving. That freely gives without asking anything in return. 
they tell us that agape love does not also consider the worth of that which it puts its love into. But that agape love is love by choice, where phileus is a love by chance. Agape is about will and not emotion. In John chapter 21, and we're not going to turn there today, but there's a story that Jesus appears to his disciples and he says to John these words, John, do you love me? Jesus was saying, do you agape me? Do you have that undefining or undying, never-ending, unconditional love for me? You know what John replies back to Jesus? Yeah, I'm kind of fond of you. The Bible says that he says, yes, I love you, but he says, not agape. But what does he say? Phileo. He says, yeah, I'm kind of fond of you. Jesus said and came back again. Do you love me with everything that you have? And John says, yeah, I'm kind of affectionate towards you. I've got some feelings. I've got some tendencies towards you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no. And he asked him a third time. You see, I think many times every one of us in here understands and knows the love of God. The unconditional love, the never-ending love, but yet the love in response to that love so many times is just a fondness. It's just a love that when I feel like it or when I want to do it. But I'm here to tell you today that true love, God's way, is not just a fondness. It's not just a partial giving. It's total giving, all unconditionally wanting nothing in return. We don't often see that love around us today. And we can't point the fingers outside the church and say, that's crazy. Why do they not have it? Because the sad thing is that type of love we seldom see even in the church today. Love has become all about what I can get out of it. Love has become all about me. And the last time I read in the word of God, that wasn't love at all. But the Bible defines that as lust. Because it's not about me. It's about that other person. Love is such a powerful subject and one of utmost significance and importance. Why? Because the Bible says God is love. You can't separate him from it. He is love. Look at the scripture, 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for, say with me, agape. For love is of God, not fondness, kind of affectionate, but agape, unconditional love is of God. And everyone who loves agape is born of God and knows God. But he who does not love does not know God. Strong words. Does not know God. Why? For God is Love. If you were to read on verse 9 and 10 and a few verses after that, you would read and see how God displayed his love for us by sending his son and what he is then required of us. And what he's required of us is to love other people in return. And we're going to come back to this scripture and we're going to close with this scripture this morning. But one person said it this way. Love is the most important word in the English language and 
the most confusing. It's the most important, but also the most confusing. Everywhere we look around us today, love plays a central role. In fact, there's a saying out there that says, love is what makes the world go round. It's love that makes the world go round. Love is the biggest seller of books. Love is the biggest seller of movies. Love is the biggest seller of songs. I want someone to love me. Come on, I mean, you think about it. That's Jonas Brothers. I hear that all the time for some reason. For who I am. Incredible. It's sad, isn't it? But it's the biggest sell. You don't hear people saying, I want someone to hate me and kick me in the teeth. I mean, come on. We want to be loved. It's the biggest seller. It's the biggest seller, as I said, of songs. It's the biggest seller of magazines. Psychologists have even concluded this, that the need to feel love is primary, is a primary human emotional need. Whether we want to escape it or not, every one of us needs to feel love. We need love. They tell us, and I don't have the statistics, I wished I did, I meant to write them down, but they tell us the statistics of a child that grows up in a loving, caring home is so much more less likely to have emotional problems and struggles and face hardships and trials when they get older and they live their lives. Through love, a much better future. Through love, a security. I never went a day in my life where I did not know that my parents loved me. I never went through a moment in life without knowing my parents loved me because they didn't only show it, they told me that. People used to laugh at me. I remember at the age of 10 and even 12 or 12 and even 13, I remember before I went to bed at night, I would go and give my dad a kiss on the cheek. People would laugh at me and say, wow, that's a little bit sissy, isn't it? That's good. But you know what? We expressed ourselves in our home in love. My parents would hold us. They would embrace us. They would love us. We never went to bed at night without knowing that we were loved. My sister and I are part of that statistic. That the way we now live and the way we conduct our lives with our families is as a result of what we were taught, not only by our parents, but through God's word. It's amazing, isn't it? For love, people will climb mountains. For love, people will cross seas. Nothing is impossible. For love, we will endure untold hardships and trials. But without love, all of a sudden, mountains become unclimbable. Seas appear to be uncrossable. And hardships are what we call unbearable. Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. This whole chapter is actually called the love chapter. 
But 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a (coughs) clanging cymbal. That made some of you jump. If we were just to sit here for a long time and keep hitting this noise and keep doing this, how many would know, sorry, how many would know that that would be a little bit annoying after a while? How many would agree that was a little bit annoying? Okay, let me do it again. How many would agree that would be a, thank you, thank you, the response. Now I can't hear out of my left ear. But I want to say this to you, that the Bible uses figurative illustrations because just as annoying and out of place that would be, just to hear, can, can, crash, 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 crash. The Bible says that without love in our lives, we're just like that annoying noise. We're like a noise, an annoying noise that has really no purpose except just to irritate and agitate. And get people mad. God hasn't called us to be a clanging symbol. God's called every one of us to have love. I'm not going to go into 1 Corinthians 13 today. But if you would read verse 4, I believe it is through verse 7. You will see 14 characteristics of love. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? 14 characteristics. And Valentine's is on the 14th of February. Don't know if that's true. If it is, I'll take credit for it. But then at the end of this chapter, it says in verse 13, And now abide faith, hope, and love. How many would agree today that faith is pretty important? The Bible says without it we can't please God. How many would agree that hope is pretty important? Come on, hope for those things that we hope for. But the Bible says out of these three, faith, hope and love, that the greatest of these is not faith. The greatest of these is not hope. But the greatest of these is love. Why is that, Pastor Philip? Because faith one day will be changed to sight as we see those things that we have believed for. Hope one day will become an experience as we partake in those things in heaven. But love will still be love. Love always has been, and it always will be. Why? Because God is love. But yet with all its greatness, and we can define love in so many different ways, that warmth, that warm, fuzzy feeling. Just the acceptance, the approval, the protection of love, the giving of love. We can define love in so many different actions, in so many different ways, but yet with all the definitions and all the actions, it's also very confusing. I want us to think about it for a second. All the different ways we use love, and unfortunately sometimes even misuse or abuse love. Here's a conversation that we may go through with someone. I love a good Coke. And we can talk about how great Coke is. And then the next breath we're talking about, and you know what? I love the weather. 
And then in the next breath, we can say, oh, my wife's the greatest thing in the world. You better believe I love her. In the shortest of conversations, we've thrown love out there to mean so many different things. We speak of loving activities. I love football. That's the real football with a round ball, not that kind of crazy shaped ball. Real football. I love soccer. I love skiing. I love hunting. Come on, how many of you have ever said such words in reference? We talk, therefore, about loving objects. Oh, I love food. We're not going to ask for a show of hands who says that. I love cars. I love houses. We love animals. Oh, I love my dogs. I love my cats. Oh, I love panda bears. Aren't they so cuddly? Oh, we love nature. Oh, I love the countryside. I love trees. I love flowers. I was going to say I love grass, but that could be misinterpreted. For those of you who didn't get that, that's okay. The Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. I didn't understand that either till Bill pointed that out earlier. Someone once said to the preacher, he said, well, if God gave it to us, what's wrong with using it? The preacher looked at him and said, God gave it to you, but he didn't tell you to cut it and smoke it. We love people. We should anyway. We love our mothers. We love our fathers. We love our sons. We love our daughters. We love our wives. We love our husbands. We love our friends. And then to cap off the confusion of what we all love, we even fall in love. Love, 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 love. Tina Turner said, what's love got to do with it? Love's got an awful lot to do with it because love affects every aspect. Say with me, Tina, you didn't know what you were talking about. And you know what? If that still is not confusing enough, we also use the word love to explain our behavior. I only did it because I loved them. I only did it because I love her or him. And what we can end up doing is we can end up calling all types of behavior as love. Where other people look and they see it as sin. They see it as codependency. And they can see it as irresponsibility and the list can go on. Love, love, love. Come on, you've just got to love it. You've got to love it. But through all of this, the question that I presented to myself is the question that I want to throw out to you all today. Through all the love of cars and the love of dogs and the love of people and all these kind of things, have we somehow lost the true meaning? Have we? Have we perhaps lost Love in its truest form. I believe we have. I believe we have because this is what I believe. If we really loved, 
If we really understood love like we should, if we really lived the love that God intends for us to live in his word, perhaps half the things that we do, we would do no longer. Come on, don't shout me down today. We would do those things no longer out of the fear of being unloving. Out of the fear of being disloyal. Out of the fear of being disrespectful. Love is such an incredible thing. In the sense of affection and giving, love is so vitally important to every one of our lives. But also today we look around us and because of love, people now find themselves hurt today. I loved him. I loved her. I gave them my heart. And the very next day, they gave it away. Well, I'm like singing today. What's up, man? I must have. Love is bringing out the strangest things in me. But because of love, what we have labeled as love today, people are now reluctant to give everything next time because all of a sudden their heart is wounded, their heart is broken. Instead of it now being prepared to be fully given, a little is held back as calluses, hurts and wounds begin to be established and take place. As a result of what we have called love, we are now no able We are now not able to perhaps ever fully love again, to give our own. From the time we are born, we all are on a quest in life. We all have a mission to receive or to give love. It's part of who we are. For some, the need has become so strong that their quest and mission can lead them in the wrong direction because they just need to be loved. Love is such a great thing. Yes, it's confusing sometimes. Yes, it's damaging and it can be, but it's still worth the risk. Yes, it's misleading. It could be if we allow it to blind us. But true love, Agape love, unconditional love, love in its purest sense. Say it with me. You've still got to love it. You've still got to love it. I mentioned the words too of love in a misleading way. We've got to be so careful that we don't allow our lives to be led by obsession that we label as love. Come on, we're just going to be real today. Is that okay? Pastor P is going to be real. This is Dr. Phil today. Is that cool? We're just going to be real today. That people find themselves in a false love. Where all they can think about, all I can do, I can't eat. I cannot function Without them, whether we admit it or not, people don't remain obsessed. We couldn't live like that forever. We may have obsessions for a period of times, but we cannot sustain them. And neither can we sustain them, but it doesn't take long for flaws 
to begin to appear. Come on now. It doesn't take long for problems to begin to materialize. It doesn't take long for frustrations to begin to surface. It doesn't take long for us to realize there's more than sex that's needed and required in a relationship. And let me say this. That should not even be an issue in a godly relationship. I'm not saying this to brag on ourselves, but I can tell you this right now 100%, and I'm so proud of it, that Kelly and I were virgins together when we got married. Kelly and I had both been married before. But when we got married, it was so important for us that we waited to do it God's way. One of the reasons we wanted to do it, obviously the number one reason was God's way, but one of the other greatest reasons we wanted to do it was for the sake of our children, that we could look at them and say, if we can do it, you can do it. We're not expecting them to do something that we ourselves have not abstained from and have not done. It's one thing that blessed me the most about Bishop and Roxanne. They said those same words yesterday, that they recognized and realized that they wanted the truest blessing of God upon their relationship. And you do life God's way. It's a blessed way. But those obsessions, that false love that so many of us perhaps have unfortunately been a part of and maybe still a part of. But to remain obsessed would mean to lose interest in all other pursuits where nothing else matters. And I'm here to tell you, obsession won't pay your bills. You've got to get out and work. So what we've got to watch is we've got to be watched that love does not blind us. And I hate to almost use the word love blinds us because I'm not talking in its truest sense. I'm talking in false sense. But what we've made love to become, what we've accepted as love today can so easily blind us. But yet everyone else around us sees what's really happening. Can I break it down a little bit for you today? Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, Without counsel, or better said, maybe listening to the advice of others, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. New Living Translation says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. But many counselors bring great success. But I need to add this, if I may. Make sure that the council you go to, the people you go to, is the right people that you are asking advice from. Here's our tendency. We go to people that we know the answer they're going to tell us before we even ask the question. I don't want to be around people like that. I want to be around people, Daryl, that love me enough that when I'm going the wrong direction, they'll love me enough and care for me enough that they'll say, hey, Philip, you need to wake up. That's an obsession. That's not real. You see, when you really love someone, you understand the importance of the deliverance of the message because you love them so much, you don't worry about whether they'll receive it or not because that's not your thought. You pray they will, but you've got to love them enough To tell them the truth. So it's asking for the right people. Many times it's not because we don't ask for advice, but it's the lack of good advice that we go for. 
If everyone else is seeing something that you don't see, don't be blind. And don't be deaf to their concerns and their observations. They surely all can't be crazy. And I promise you this, they're not all in a conspiracy theory against you. Come on, let's just talk about love today. Is that okay? Let's just talk about love. We've all been there in some form or another. And if you're married, you better still be there. But as we look over our shoulder, we can see the many pitfalls, perhaps, that we engaged ourselves in. We can see the many pitfalls that we considered to be love. But it really was no love at all. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, and the last part of that verse, says these words, Do not be ignorant to Satan's devices. If you would permit me, I want to do something. Can I read the verse backwards? And when I say backward, I don't mean devices his of ignorant, not are we, for us of advantage. Take should Satan lest. We're not talking about that, but can I take the last portion, put it at the first and the first as the last? Can we perhaps read the verse as this? For we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, lest Satan should take advantage of us. Now, don't shout me down today because I know this passage specifically deals with forgiveness. It talks about forgiving those and not having unforgiveness in your life. I understand that. But it's labeling forgiveness as a device. And I believe that love is another device that Satan uses and perhaps one of the most powerful vices. Because that's what a device is. It's a vice that will hold us. I read in the dictionary what a vice was. A vice says having two jaws opened and closed by a screw used to hold an object firmly in place while work is being done on it. You see, Satan wants to hold us down. That's his device. That's his plan of attack, that he wants to pin us down. Now, in this passage, he's talking about forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness. But may we talk about love in the same sense today, that Satan wants to vice us with that which we may think is love. Be confused into thinking is love. And he wants to hold us down. But listen to me, like a vice holds something so it can be worked on. Satan doesn't want to hold it to work on you. Satan wants to hold it to destroy you. And what better way can he destroy us? Through love. Through love. Or the interpretation that we have made of it. Satan's vice is to take something so beautiful and so wonderful, that which is perfect, incredible, the best given by God, to twist it, to deform it, to redefine it, and ultimately make us buy into it. But then what happens? We're trapped by it. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. Pastor, you don't know what he's talking about. It must be God. They are so good. 
Oh, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It must be God's. Not everything that is good is always of God. In fact, they say not everything that glistens is gold. But you know what that stuff that glistens that you can misrepresent as gold is called? Fool's gold. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of imitations out there. There's a lot of stuff that's trying to steal your heart. There's a lot of stuff out there that's trying to be love. Even in our relationships that we're in, we're trying to label what we have as love. It's not love if it's not love God's way. Unconditional giving without wanting anything. Oh, I'll give them love when they show me love. That's not God's words. Not God's words. You know how you can tell if things are imitation? You've got to look at them a little bit closer. Come on. You've just got to look at them beyond face value. Look at them a little bit closer. A lot of people have those imitation purses. Have you seen them? A lot of you are kicking yours under the chair like, oh, it's real. Sorry, wives. Let me see if your husbands are cheapskates or not. You know the way that you can tell an imitation purse? Look inside of it. The outside looks great, but look inside of it. Take something that may appear to be real and look beneath the surface. I was watching a show. Kelly and I were watching a show the other day, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. I think it was on the History Channel. It's two guys that go all over the country trying to find antiques and stuff like that. Something pickers, is it, or something? And it was pretty neat, and we were watching. And they walked into this place, and in first impressions, they're seeing all these wonderful clocks and all these kind of things, and then they pick them up and look at them and think they look so good, and then they turn them over, made in China. Looks great. But when you look beneath the surface, come on, when you look in places initially seen, when you look under the bottom, around the corner, when you look with a critical eye, you begin to see it's not as real as you think it is. In other words, how are we looking? We're now looking from the direction which God looks, and that is God looks from the inside out, not the outside in. Say with me today, love, love, love. Come on, you've got to love it. We cannot be fooled by love. We cannot be blinded by the truth. Remember the story in the Word of God, and it's a crazy story. Remember the story of Jacob. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you don't, well, we're going to talk about it today. But Jacob runs from his home because he stole the birthright from his older brother Esau. His mother sends him to Laban's house, to his uncle, and when he gets there, he discovers the most beautiful thing that God ever created. Her name was Rachel. Rachel, an incredible woman. Do you know, by the way, how women got their name? Do you know how women got their name? When God placed Adam in the garden, we know that God said it's not good for man to be alone. So he let man fall asleep and he took a rib from his side. And he woke him up. And when Adam woke up, he went, wow, man, that looks so good. And that's where we get the word, whoa, man, from. So there you go. Just a little bonus for you right there. But, um, But look at the scripture in Genesis 29, verse 20. Jacob served seven years for Rachel. 
And they seemed only a few days for him because of the love he had for her. Come on, all together. Oh, how incredible. Oh, if only my husband would have been like that. Where every day he called me and said, will you marry me today? But Jacob, for seven years, it went by just as a moment. How sweet, how incredible. He gets married. And he's given the wrong wife. What? Yeah, you heard me. He gets married and he's given the wrong wife. No way, sure did. Sure did. But listen to me. Because of the love he had for Rachel, he became so blinded that he forgot to do his research. Come on. It's kind of important. Look what Laban says in verse 26 when Jacob goes back to him and says, You deceived me. Laban said... It must not be so. In our country, you should have known this, to give the younger daughter before the firstborn. Jacob's feeling deceived, and I guess that's an understatement. But it could have been and should have been avoided. Now, that would be a shock for you, wouldn't that? Come on, don't be holy with me. I mean, come on, let's think about that. That would be a shock, wouldn't it? To wake up in the morning and you realize the one you thought you married wasn't even there. Come on, you're all getting holy on me. You wake up and all of a sudden you look over, Leah's in the bed. What is going on? Now the Bible says in verse 7 of that chapter, it said Leah had bad eyes. But I'm beginning to wonder whether Jacob had some bad eyes too. How could he ever be fooled like that? But he was. You know, as a result of his perhaps blindness to love, And his unwillingness to really research and really to see things perhaps as they were. The Bible says it cost him another seven years. And watch out, guys, another wife. Help me out, guys. You're leaving me hanging there. Help us, Jesus. Now, I'm not meaning that to sound a bad thing, but he had to serve another seven years. Blinded love will only cost us more and more. Oh, we want Rachel, we want the greatest, we want the best, but we don't want Leah to get to Rachel. We want the best first. But how many times do we not get the best? Because we refuse to open our our eyes. And that's not a mistake that we need to make. How did he not know? I mean, that is incredible, isn't it? How did he not know? Wow, can I say that backwards? Wow, thank you. Love is an awesome thing. But turn to your neighbor and say, watch out. I don't want Leah. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, watch out. I don't want Leah. Let's have a moment's silence. Can we have a moment's silence? Poor Leah, bless her heart. I mean, she did nothing wrong, did she? But as I close, I know we've covered a lot of ground today and a lot of distance today. But I pray that something has stuck out today. I know that most of you are probably not going to forget about poor Jacob. That's one of those kind of things that you remember, huh? But if I could, can I just read those verses again from 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8? It says these words. It begins with a powerful word that says, as we interpret today, beloved. But break that word down, beloved. That's God's intent for every one of us, to be loved, to be his beloved, his beloved. Beloved, let us love one another, for love, agape, is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not know, does not know God. 
For God is love. As we have talked about today, love is very important. Do I hear an amen? amen? But love is not a feeling, as most have assumed it to be. I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, and I think you should take notes. In fact, statistics say that people who take notes in church are less likely to go to hell. I don't know if that's true, but it sounds pretty good. I wouldn't take a chance if I was you, so I would maybe do that. So everyone's all of a sudden grabbing grabbing offering envelopes and ripping them open and grabbing pens and taking notes. But I want you to write this down. Love is a choice and an action. That's what love is. Love is a choice and an action. Again, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 7, you'll see this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love suffereth long. It's not parading itself. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It seeks not its own, etc., etc. Fourteen characteristics. So therefore, true love is a choice that is always followed up and backed up with action. We know that God loved us so much that he sacrificed his son for us. Therefore, if we want to know what love is, Jesus is our example of love. I said, if we want to know what love is, Jesus is our example of what it means to love. Everything he did in life and death was driven by love. But Jesus said, I haven't left you alone. Jesus said, I've sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's inner being that wants to dwell inside of us, that will give us the power to love as he lives in our heart and makes us more and more Christ-like. Do you notice what I said, that the love of God will make us more and more Christ-like? In your relationships, in those things that you love, you've got to hear this today, please. In all those things that you categorize as what you love, that those things that you cannot live without and cannot be without, can I ask you these questions? Are those things taking you closer to God or are they stealing you away from God? Oh, I found the most incredible guy. He's what I've dreamed of all my life. And then we don't see people in church for six more months. That may be God's best for you, but you know what? I would much rather find God's best for me while they're in church sitting beside me. It's not God if you're not getting closer to him. Can I say that one more time? It's not love. It's not God if it's not bringing you closer to him. Because his desire is to make you more Christ-like, to bring you into his image. That's a vice. Anything else is that vice that we talked about with Satan. But God's love throughout the scriptures, as we read, always involved a choice and an action. And our love should just be like his. But notice also, if you may, the Bible doesn't say that love is God. But the Bible says that God is love. Big difference because we so easily can categorize God by our misinterpretation of what love is. So if we're saying love is God, then what really is God? Our man-made fabrication of perhaps what love is. The Bible doesn't say love is God. The Bible says God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Our world with its shallow and selfish view of love has turned these words around and contaminated our understanding of true love. The world thinks that love is what makes a person feels good and that it's all right to sacrifice moral principles and others' rights in order to obtain such love. But that isn't real love. 
In fact, it's the complete opposite. It's called selfishness. And God is not that kind of love. He is love. God is love. My challenge to you all today is don't be blinded by what appears to be love. Don't be confused by that which you may be obsessed by. But perhaps it's an imitation. Would you look a little closer? True love, I believe and I know, can be discovered in the heart and life of any individual through understanding a relationship with God. And not only understanding a relationship with God, but living a relationship with God. The Bible says if we don't know God, then how can we really know love? Come on, that's God's words, not mine. I've seen people who have got saved and treated their children a whole lot different. And their saying is this, I never knew how to love before I experienced true love. True love will inspire people to do things and be things that they never felt they could ever be. What are you saying? Number one is our relationship with God. But you know what? God now has called us to be in His image. So that means we need to start loving people like God loves us. And in doing so, we will inspire people to change their lives. It will motivate them. It will change them from which way? The inside out. God's way. Nothing more, nothing less. True love is through relationship with Him. As we love Him, we'll realize the true meaning of love. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.